What's going on, everybody? It's Monday, September 12th, and this is the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Nick Costco. And once again, we have more winners and losers of week number two. And this week is a little bit interesting because I think I have more losers than I actually do winners. And to discuss that with me is going to be Jacob Rudner of Swamp 24-7. He'll join us in the program later to talk about the Florida Gators, who are now in that loser category after being in my winners category just last week. So we're going to start out with USC there in the winners category. And there's not too many winners this week, but USC is one of them. Lincoln Riley and company getting the win on the road over Stanford, 41-28. Gotta love it. 2-0 start for the Trojans. They get that first conference win in the Pac-12 on the road. Big one for Riley and company. Caleb Williams looked absolutely flawless, tossing four touchdowns. Jordan Addison, he won the Blitnikoff for a reason last year while he was at Pittsburgh. So he caught two of those touchdowns as well. Then just looking at what USC has to offer now. I know they gave up 28 points. Stanford, not really sure what this team is going to be made of here in 2022, whether they're going to be a really good team, a bold team, or they're going to be one of those teams that's going to fall down to between three and five wins and miss out on the postseason. But nonetheless, it was a huge win for the Trojans on the road, beating up Stanford a little bit. So offense, of course, we never had any problems with uh, going into this season for Lincoln Riley and company. Of course, you know, you look at the Trojans, you know, it, it's a bunch of new faces. It's a whole new staff. It's a whole new program, a bunch of new schemes on both sides of the football, but the offense is what, what we what we knew what was going to be good. All right, We knew about the offense. Now, the defense, again, I said before, gave up 28 points. That's fine, but right now, it has worked so far for USC. I know they played Rice in week one, and that was a pretty much a given victory on the schedule, so it'll be interesting to see what they do against Fresno State next week as well. I know it's a it's an in-state opponent, as Lincoln Riley said during his post-game press conference, but it's not a Pac-12 opponent, but it'll be a very, very interesting ball game next week when USC takes the field against the Bulldogs. So they're one of my winners this week. So we'll move on to my second winner of the week. It's Tennessee. Hey, Tennessee. Hey, ranked 24th in the country. Go on the road. You beat number 17 Pitt. That is a big time win in my book. And the, f- the fact that they were able to do it in overtime just means that this team is able to uh, grind it out. There's a lot of grit with the volunteers right now. It's a huge win because if that game went south and Pittsburgh gets that win, then Pittsburgh's looking golden right now, You know, beating West Virginia in the backyard brawl in week one. They're getting a big win over an SEC foe. That's ranked within the top 25. So a big time win for Tennessee. Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker winning that one in overtime on the road, no less. So good start for the Volunteers. And then I have to move over to a very interesting game that I saw in the SEC yesterday. That was Arkansas and South Carolina. Arkansas, my third winner of this weekend. No one's really talking about this game. Is we they, Everyone was pretty much focused on Alabama and Texas, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I was fascinated with Arkansas and Sam Pittman and crew. You know, Sam Pittman, to me, is a national treasure. If anybody saw uh, his pregame interview uh, with College Game Day, it, w- it was it was fascinating to me because he was you know he was asked about uh, drinking a cold beer after a win last weekend. You know, Sam, how do you not love Sam Pittman and what he's done with this team over the last couple of years? And they're a really good football team. You look at KJ Jefferson, the quarterback right there. He looks much more improved than he was last year, and he was pretty darn good last year. He's an absolute force to be reckoned with in the run game as well. The guy can actually sling the football as well. Now, again, you look at the run game they have as well. I was very fascinated with their big backfield. Rocket Sanders uh, just lining up behind him. I love that combination. You see Katie Jefferson, he can stretch the field with his throws, and then he can take off and run. Linebackers struggle to bring him down as well. And then you look at Sanders out of the backfield. I mean, he's he's not, not only is he speed, but he has plenty of size. And I think they mentioned a stat. It's the biggest backfield in college football right now. Uh, com- uh, it's almost a combined weight 
of 500 pounds between the two of those guys, and they're that fast too. So a big-time backfield for Arkansas on the defense. I was watching Drew Sanders, the Alabama uh, linebacker transfer, former five-star, has a new fresh start here with the Razorbacks all over the field. I mean, we talk about Bumper Pool, by the way, linebacker for Arkansas, who is now, I believe, he's a fifth-year senior. He's really good. But then you look at Drew Sanders, sideline to sideline yesterday. He was making life miserable for Spencer Rattler in South Carolina yesterday. It was, it was just unbelievable what we saw on Saturday for Arkansas because, I, I mean, even though the Gamecocks put up, what, 30 points in that game, it was never really close. I mean, from what, what, what I was watching, it was K.J. Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, and then the Drew Sanders show on defense for the Razorbacks getting that win at home in front of a pretty darn good crowd for the Razorbacks. This team is legit. At this point, with with, with the way they're playing, I know South Carolina was going to be maybe hit and miss this year. Everyone's taking maybe eight or nine wins with a uh, rebuilt uh, type of team. Year two, Shane Beamer, everything's looking good. Recruiting trail looking good. Get Spencer Rattler in there. To me, South Carolina, they're not a loser this week, obviously. Arkansas is just a bigger winner at this point. But from again, based on what we saw in the SEC West this past weekend, who knows? Maybe Arkansas is that darling and that dark horse in the SEC West again. Can they challenge Alabama? It'll, it remains to be seen. So those are my winners, USC, Tennessee, and Arkansas to the losers. Now, I have to loop these two teams into the same category right here. Texas A&M and Notre Dame, both losers, both top 10 teams going down this weekend. Texas a and loses to Appalachian State. Haynes King struggles. Jimbo Fisher has a lot of questions now. Notre Dame loses at home to Marshall. So my biggest thing right now with Texas A&M and Notre Dame, you have to look at the coaches. That, that, that's where this starts and ends in week two with Texas A&M and Notre Dame. Jimbo Fisher, they paid him a lot of money to win games like this pretty easily early on in the season. I mean, this is a team everyone's talking about that's going to challenge Alabama for the division title in 2022 and to possibly get to get an SEC title and also get to the college football playoff. I don't see it right now. You don't you don't lose to Appalachian State like that 17-14, not putting up many points. And then on the flip side, Notre Dame, everyone gave him a lot of credit, including myself last week that their college football playoff hopes were still alive after week one, losing to Ohio State on the road, no less. A close game, 21-10. They had him on the ropes for a little bit, just couldn't finish in the second half. And then all of a sudden they lose to Marshall at home. That you you just cannot let that happen. I know Drew Pine came in for Tyler Buckner as well at quarterback and Marcus Freeman. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying he's going to have a bad season this year, but he's 0-3 now as a head coach. No, no, Nobody in Notre Dame history has ever gone off to an 0-3 start. And again, I know the first game was the bowl game last year when he took over for Brian Kelly after he left for LSU, but it's not a good start for Marcus Freeman. Notre Dame's a big loser this week as well as Texas A&M. Two top 10 teams going down. Not sure where they go from here. I think they're both going to rebound, but now you have to start not thinking about the playoff for Notre Dame already with two losses in the air. And then that, that Marshall loss is going to sting for quite a while. Can this team still win out and get the 10 and 2 later in the year? Maybe. But, you know, when I was talking to Tom Loy of Irish Illustrated just last week, you know, he saw worst case scenario is probably eight or nine wins with this team. And obviously, best case scenario, you get into that 10 to 11 win range and get to the playoff or at least have a case for the college football playoff. But no more, no more postseason for at least the playoff for Notre Dame and Texas AM. A lot of questions. You cannot lose that game. So now, the SEC West is back to Alabama and pretty much everybody else. So we'll get into Alabama in just a second. But my other combined category for the losers this week is Iowa and Nebraska. The Big Ten had a bad week with these two teams. I cannot believe what I saw. Iowa scored seven points again, but they actually scored on offense this time. They lost to in-state rival Iowa State at home. You miss a field goal at the end of the game to tie things at 10. They lost 10-7, folks. 10-7. Iowa cannot score for the life of them right now. 14 combined points in the first two games of the year and from the offense. It's 10 points. The defense scored two safeties last week. 
It's unbelievable to me. You have, a, you have four points from your defense. So a combined, what did I say, 14 points in the first two games and four of them came from your defense. That's very, very alarming for Kirk Ferentz and company. I was certainly going to drop my personal Big Ten power rankings this weekend. Again, you cannot lose to your in-state rival like that. You had your chances. Iowa State was trying to give them the game towards the end as well. Who knows what happens now in that division? It seems like Wisconsin's going to win that division, possibly, maybe Minnesota. But Wisconsin lost as well. I'm not even going to loop them into the losers this week because you know you lose to Washington State, Pac-12 foe, but it was at home. Who knows? You Again, you only score 14 points if you're Wisconsin. They're not a loser this week, but Big Ten West, what are we doing after week two? And then my final loser of the week before we get into Alabama and Texas, of course, and this is real quick right here because we're going to talk more about this with Jacob Rudner of Swamp 24-7. Florida and Anthony Richardson, they, they struggled. And, I, and the one play that sticks out of my mind was Anthony Richardson's interception where he's throwing, going, he's going to his right. He's got pressure right in his face. and He basically dumps off a ball, which is supposed to be a, a ball into the flat to the back, and then he gets picked off right in front of his face. So who knows what Florida is right now? They're a loser this week. Now, I gave them a lot of credit last week after getting the win over Utah at home. They come back home, lose to a ranked Kentucky team who's in their own division. Again, solid team, the Wildcats under Mark Stoops. But Florida's a loser this week because you don't know what you're getting out of them right now through two weeks. Are they actually going to be that good as they, as they were against Utah last week? Or are they going to be what they were against Kentucky on Saturday night? So Billy Napier, Anthony Richardson have a lot of questions to answer. It's, it's basically a Jekyll and Hyde situation right now through two weeks for Florida. Not a big loser, but they are one of my losers this week. And then the I don't know category, Alabama and Texas. I can't say Texas is a winner because they lost the game and they had their chances to win the game. I can't say they're a loser, though. I mean, I guess I can because they actually lost the game, but they showed something in that game without Quinn Ewers for, for a majority of that contest who left with the shoulder injury. Now, he was out after the first quarter. Hudson Card was limping over the field as well, and he managed to turn things around for Texas, and they almost stole that game at home. But Alabama, that's why they're out. Alabama, they win games like that, squeak it out by a point, but they're not a good winner this week because, again, Alabama was favored by, what, 20 points at one point this week? You can't let that happen. And Alabama definitely struggled on offense, but, hey, Bryce Young had a repeat Heisman moment, avoiding that sack, setting up the game-winning field goal. I think he's, I mean, I said he clinched the, the award already, which, of course, I was just being a little, I was exaggerating a little bit, but still, Alabama and Texas, I don't know. No one's really a winner. No one's really a loser. You kind of just have a result from that game, 20-19, to 19, Alabama on top. So they're in the I don't know category right now, but... Yeah, for me, those are my winners and losers this week. We're going to step aside and take a quick break. Now, Jacob Rudner of Swamp 24-7 is going to join me on the other side to discuss more about Florida, Anthony Richardson, and Billy Napier and what this means moving forward for the program. So keep it locked here. It's College Football Daily right here on 24-7 Sports. Welcome back here on the College Football Daily. Joining me now is Jacob Rudner of Swamp 24-7. Jacob, I appreciate you joining me, man. It's very interesting when you look at that Florida-Kentucky game. It's a Jekyll and Hyde situation to me for the Gators. I was a big fan of Billy Napier and what they did in week number one. Anthony Richardson as well. But it just seemed like it turned on its head at home, nonetheless, against the Wildcats on Saturday night. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I think we we kind of just saw really the range of outcomes that are possible for this team this year. I think that there were a lot of people who watched Florida in the first week and their win over number seven, Utah. Uh, it was exciting. You know, it came down to a, a last second interception in the end zone to seal the win. So there was a lot of reason to get excited, I think, about this Florida team, especially off of what they offered uh, in that first game against the Ute. But the reality is, is that there are still a lot of questions about this team. Uh, Anthony Richardson is a young, inexperienced quarterback. Billy Napier is is a new SEC coach who has never experienced this level of competition before. Uh, There are holes, in my opinion, in terms of Florida's offensive skill players and the depth of those positions, and the same can be said on defense. So the reality is, is I think that this is just a team that's trying to figure a lot out. Uh, We saw that yesterday uh, when when they lost to Kentucky 26-16. There were a lot of holes in their game. But again, I think that's to be expected 
with where this program is at in reality. It's interesting that you mentioned that everyone is now, I don't want to say pulling back expectations, but it seemed like after week one, you beat Utah, you vault up into the top 25 and number 12 uh, nonetheless. And everyone's like, oh, Anthony Richardson, NFL, a bona fide NFL prospect, Heisman Trophy contender this year. Is he still those types of things and this is just one bad game or could this be a sign of things to come here in 2022? Nick, I think last night was really just a sign of his inexperience. That was his third career start, just his second uh, of the season, obviously. Uh, it's his first SEC game in the swamp. I think that it's just kind of one of those things where this is a young quarterback who is immensely talented, and nothing that happened against Kentucky, I think, takes away from that. This is a guy who is six foot four and 238 pounds. He's not going to get smaller because he lost. This is a guy who is extremely athletic. He's not less athletic because of the loss. He's a great runner. He's got a cannon for an arm, but I think sometimes putting those things together is difficult for such a young quarterback who doesn't have that much experience. He's running a new offense. He's in charge of a team really for the first time in his career. And so I think these kinds of things are allowed to happen. And like Billy Napier said last night, uh, this is a great opportunity for Anthony Richardson to learn, to go take a look at the film, figure out what went wrong. For me, immediately in the aftermath of this game, I think a lot of it is actually his maturity. And it's time for Anthony Richardson to sit down and realize that when things go wrong early, you have to collect yourself and remain calm and continue to take charge of the game. He didn't do that, frankly, in in his performance against Kentucky. And so being able to do that moving forward uh, will obviously be critical. Usually, as coaches say, you never want to get too high. You never want to get too low after wins and losses. But how do you actually project this team moving forward? Again, it's only been two games. Everyone thought after the win over Utah, this is a team that could maybe challenge Georgia in the SEC East. Maybe, maybe. I'm I'm emphasizing that maybe. But then after they lost to Kentucky this week, they're like, all right, well, is Florida actually this team where they're going to be maybe a six or seven? win team have some flashes and maybe build for 2023 or is it somewhere in the middle I mean how do you project this team after just two games where you see the very highs against Utah and some of the lows against uh, the Wildcats yeah I, I honestly I don't necessarily think that these first two weeks change my outlook for this team I think that this is a team capable of a seven and five season that was the record I projected for them early on I said four and four in SEC play And I'm going to stick with those numbers right now. I don't think there's a reason not to. It's still early in the season. You have to keep in mind that this is the second week for these Gators under completely new leadership. They're all in new schemes. There's younger players. There's new faces in the building that they have to try and mesh with and learn to play with. Uh, And so teams are going to have to figure out things early. I don't know that this should really reshape people's expectations for the Florida Gators this season. I think it's a good team that's capable of making it to a bowl game come the end of the year. I think Billy Napier is going to have moments where there will be growing pains. There aren't, you know, it's it's almost unheard of to see a team come out the gate and be perfect under new leadership. And I think that's just kind of the phase of where Florida is at right now. And people saw that yesterday. Jacob Rudner of Swamp 24-7 joining me here on the College Football Daily. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you here with this one. It's, a, it's an interesting question for me because everyone talks about the pressure on these SEC coaches. Billy Napier, obviously brand new to the conference, just two games in. We saw the mess that Brian Kelly had to deal with after the loss to Florida State in his LSU debut. I'm not going to say the Florida fans are a little bit more irrational than LSU fans right now, but based on these first two weeks, both games at home, a big win, and a very rough loss, I would say. you know, It was one of those losses where you're like, wow, we could have had that game, so to speak. So is the Florida fan base going to put this type of pressure on Billy Napier or is that are the, are the Gator fans willing to be more patient with Napier over the course of this season and then going into 23 and 24? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I think that this is a fan base that expects a lot of its athletic programs, plainly said. I think that this is a, a, a group of fans who love this program 
who want to see it succeed and are so desperate to do so that sometimes that might come across as impatient. But the reality, in my opinion, is I think that there is a large group of people who are ready to see what Billy Napier can do. And that answer is not going to come in two or three or even four games. And they understand that. So uh, I, I would say that this is a fan base that's just eager to see their team win. I think that there's a lot of, you know, carryover frustration from that six and seven season in the final year of the Dan Mullen era. People really just expect more of this football program. And so to see them lose to Kentucky the way that they did, where there is very little offensive production, you know, the execution, the play calling might have been questionable within that game. Uh, and it did look like at times Billy Napier was simply out coached. And I can imagine that that's frustrating for a fan base that expects a lot of what was the 12th ranked team in the country. So I think the expectations come with the territory. Florida's a top 15 team in the country. They lost and hardly looked like one against Kentucky. Fans are upset about that, and I think it's reasonable. So we'll see where they go from here. Jake, I appreciate you joining me, man. Where can everybody find you and your work on social media? Yeah, I got the Twitter handle right there. I appreciate you having me on the show, first of all, uh, at Jacob Rudner on Twitter. And then, of course, on Swamp247.com, we've got plenty of content covering the Florida Gators on a daily basis. So we hope to see you over there. Best Florida content around. Jacob, thanks for joining me, man, here on the College Football Daily. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the show on our YouTube page and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening as well, uh, follow me on Twitter as well, at NickCosco59. Be sure to follow all of our social media channels at 247 Sports on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, of course. And that's going to do it for us once again. Again, this has been the College Football Daily right here on 24-7 Sports.